There we go. All right, amen. Well, let's get after it. A uh, little different order of service this morning. It's okay. You'll understand in a second. Um, guys, this is week six of this series we've been doing um, called The Reason I. And what we're talking about is the why behind what we do in church. Because when you walk through the doors, if you're new here, I, like it, it's a weird experience, right? You come in, we're singing, then we're praying, then we're studying the Bible, we're asking you guys to take notes. It's all, it's all just weird. And what I found is that like, as churches, we don't do a very good job of talking about why we do what we do. So this morning, we're going to continue that. And I'm going to tell you in advance, listen, if it's your first Sunday, I, I'm, I'm going to share the statistics of my almost 14 years with you, okay? We are going to talk about why we give this morning. Now, I've been here almost 14 years. I did the math. About 720 sermons with you guys. I think this is the third or the fourth on giving since I've been here. Which means that 95.5 or 99.5% of the time, we're not talking about it, okay? So just know, like if you're new here, uh, this isn't normal. We don't do it all the time. Um, but it really is an important part of worship, which I hope to show you through God's Word. So I'm going to ask for a couple of favors this morning. Uh, number one is if you got a bulletin, uh, I'm going to ask you to, uh, to grab that. Mine is in my Bible, which I laid over here for some reason. So um, if you got a bulletin, guys, I'm going to ask you to grab it. Uh, also, if you have a Bible, we are in 1 Corinthians chapter 9. Um, if you didn't grab a bulletin or have a Bible, uh, we've got an awesome solution for you. We have digital notes, and all you have to do is open up uh, the camera app on your phone, Point at that QR code up on the screen, and it's going to take you to a link to our sermon notes. Um, they're fill in the blank. You can save a PDF. You can email yourself. We do that. And uh, you may be going like, why, why, are, why are they so big on taking notes? Because, guys, we think worship is a participatory sport. So when we sing, we sing. When we pray, we pray. When we give, we give. And when we study God's Word, we actually study it um, so that we can go home. We can talk about it. That's how, um, that's, uh, that's how we're transformed into the image of of Jesus by thinking on his word, by doing what it says. So I'm going to pray for our time in God's word. And then, uh, like I said, we're going to jump in. So uh, Father, thank you so much for loving us. Thank you for allowing us to be here this morning. And uh, Holy Spirit, I'm just going to ask that you do a work um, that we can't recreate. Um, Holy Spirit, we, we, we want to be honest when it comes to giving. I, I think, man, our, our force fields just immediately go up. And, and so I'm going to ask, just, just like there's a promise in your word that you, you give us a peace that passes all understanding. So I'm going to ask for myself, for our people, that that peace would just fall on us now and that those force fields would go down so that we could hear what the Bible says about um, why we should give as an act of worship, about where that comes from, so that we would learn why it is we do these things, not just, not just go about doing them um, as, as some ritual. So uh, Holy Spirit, we ask that in your, your name. You're our teacher, you're our guide. So come now, take uh, your place in our pulpit, teach us about Jesus from the inside out. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Uh, well, guys, I, I, I want to share with you, and we're going to jump right in. I've actually got four reasons. I tried to keep it to three, but I've got four primary reasons that we give as an act of worship unto the Lord. And so here's the first on the screen, uh, guys, that we give because God has so richly given to us, and everything we possess is from Him. Okay? It's the first reason we give. We give because God has so richly given to us, and the Bible's really clear in this, that everything we possess is actually from Him, okay? So in the book of James, uh, James 1.17, it says, Every good and perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of heavenly lights, who doesn't change like shifting shadows. And what that means is that if there's anything in your life that brings you joy, if there's anything in your life that you look at and you go, man, I, I just, I, I don't deserve that. All of that stuff that we would look at in our life go, man, where, where, did, where did this come from? Where did this blessing uh, come from, right? And the answer is, is clear. 
Uh, it, it came from God. Everything good in our life is, is from God. And, and in fact, we see this principle at play in the Old Testament. In the Old Testament, um, King David really wants to do something for the Lord. He wants to build a temple uh, for God, right? So in the Old Testament, there's a tabernacle. You had to set it up and tear it down and all those things. And David's like, no, man, I want a house for the Lord. I, I want all the nations to know that he's the one true God. And so he has this great desire to build this huge temple for God. Uh, only one problem. God says, nope, David, you've shed too much blood. I'm not going to let your hands do this, but I will let your son Solomon build it. And, and, and so David, at the end of, of his time, he's about to give this big farewell address, he, he, he decides he's going to make this huge personal financial commitment towards the construction of the temple. And he gives like crazy amounts of riches because God's, God's blessed him so much. And then guess what? The people respond and they give even more than David gave. I, I mean, guys, not, not just gold, but gold coins and, and all, their, um, all, all of their jewels and like all this stuff goes to the temple. It's going to be a, a, a beautiful place. And, and if we follow in Scripture, in 1 Chronicles 29, 14 through 16, David talks about where all that wealth came from. He talks about how they're able to give so generously. And here's what he says, 1 Chronicles 29, 14 through 16, but who am I and, and who are my people that we should be able to give as generously as this for everything comes from you? And we have given you only what comes from your own hand. For we're aliens and temporary residents in your presence as, we, uh, as we're all our ancestors. Our days on earth are like a shadow without hope. Lord, our God, all of this wealth that we're provided for building you a house for your holy name, all that comes from your hand, everything belongs to you. I love that last sentence. Everything belongs to you. Of course, that says nothing about the greatest gift that God has given us. The life of his one and only son. John 3.16. For God so loved the world, he gave his one and only son. Everyone who believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. And, and, and this is central to why we do anything in worship. Somebody says, well, why, why, do, I, why do I sing? Right? Why, why do I pray? Why do I study? Why do I give? And it, it all comes back to this one truth. Because God has given Right? It, it's all a response of gratitude. When we, when we sing songs, we, when we raise our hands, we, we do it at, in a sense of gratitude. God, you are good. God, you are such a provider. God, you have given me more than I deserve. Your grace is enough for me. It's more than enough for me. It's all just a heart cry. And, and giving is the same exact thing. It's, it's, this, it's this representation. We do it because God is so richly given to us and everything we have is actually from him. It's one of the main reasons. So let's look at the second. Guys, second reason we give. It's because we give to support the mission, ministries, and ministers of the church. So he says, why, why, why would we do this in church? Why is this part of, of our worship service? Well, we do it uh, to support the mission, ministries, and ministers of the church. So a uh, little background, you'll hear us use the word tithe in this church. We still use it. I'll talk about that in a little bit. Um, but that, that concept comes from the Old Testament. Um, and, and it actually comes from the Old Testament, and it comes before the law is ever given. Okay, and that's important uh, for, for some of you, because we're going to have this conversation in a second. So, so, so the concept of a tithe happens way before the law is ever given, way before God ever commands uh, the nation of Israel, his kids, to, to bring a tithe. Like, like before that ever happens, it happens as a heart response to the goodness of God. You guys follow me? 
Right? So, so before God ever says you have to do this, we have two occasions where, where men that love the Lord, they, they just, it's a response unto God for who he is, for what he's done. So we talked about the first one last week um, when we talked about Abraham's grandson, Jacob. Right? So, so Jacob was at this place called Luz, and, uh, and he has this vision of this stairway leading up into heaven, and he has this just vision of God. He's like, man, God is here. And so he actually renames the place uh, Bethel, uh, meaning house of God. Uh, we, we would call that Bethel now. And, and so there at that place where he has this experience with God, he makes God a promise. He says, God, listen, uh, I'm a little worried, but if you'll protect me, and then you'll reunite me with my, with my family, listen, you're going to be my God. And, and in fact, God, I'll give you a tenth of everything that I possess. It's tithe, right? And somebody says, well, where would Jacob get that idea? That's what I would ask. Where does Jacob, does he just pull that out of thin air? Where does he get the idea of a tithe or of a tenth? And I'm going to tell you what I believe. It's straight from the Bible. I believe he got it from his grandfather, right? Because Abraham, get this, in Genesis chapter 14, there's a coalition of pagan kings running around attacking and, and, and taking captive city-states. Okay, we would call those cities. So they're attacking all these city-states, and one of the city-states they attack is Sodom and Gomorrah. And somebody that Abraham cares about deeply is in Sodom and Gomorrah. It's his nephew Lot. Right? You may remember they separated. Lot got the good land. Abraham took the, the lesser land. Uh, but, but, but a, so, so Lot is there. Well, Lot gets taken captive. And Abraham is upset. So Abraham just raises up his own army. <laughs> That's nice. Like, if you can do that, just be like, all right, let's go. Saddle up. So he raises up his own little army. He chases after the pagan kings. By the time he reaches them, it's nightfall. And he goes, forget it. We ain't waiting until daylight. Let's go. And he goes in and whips their tail. And he, he rescues Lot. He rescues a bunch of people. So he's heading back home in victory. And on his way home, he meets another king a king that we don't find anywhere else in the Bible, this, this dude, he is the king of Salem, and his name is Melchizedek. Okay? Now the king of Salem, Salem is what we would now call Jerusalem. And this king is different because not only is he a king, he's also a priest. Hmm. A priestly king in Jerusalem. Does that sound like familiar to anybody? Sound a little bit like Jesus, maybe, who holds the office of priest and king? Down across for our sins in the city of Jerusalem, like the town of David, he's going to come bring back a new Jerusalem when he returns, right? Like, gee, so, so most scholars actually think this is uh, possibly even a pre-incarnate uh, like visitation of Jesus among us. But, but listen to how all this goes down in Genesis chapter 14. I just want you to see what happens. It says, Melchizedek, king of Salem, brought out bread and wine. He was a priest to God most high. He blessed him and said, Abram is blessed by God most high, creator of heaven and earth, and blessed be God most high, who has handed over your enemies to you. And get this, and Abram gave him a tenth of everything. He tithed. He tithed to you, the priestly king. Just gave him a tenth. And then later, we see Jacob. What is Jacob doing? Jacob has this vision of God. He's like, God, if you're going to do this, you're going to be my God. I'm just going to give you a tenth. Now, y'all, that is all before the law is established. So we have to fast forward, right? So then Jacob has 12 sons. One of them is Joseph. His brothers are jealous of him. Dad, he's dad's favorite, right? They ship him off. They sell him off in slavery. He ends up in Egypt. Uh, great famine. Uh, family comes looking for food. He's like, hey, y'all, it's me. What you meant for harm, God meant for good. They're reunited. Uh, Pharaoh loves Joseph so much. He's like, tell your family to come live here. They live in Egypt. In Egypt, they become the nation of Israel. They grow like crazy, 
right? Then we have Moses, the deliverer, right? Because uh, uh, Joseph dies, Pharaoh dies. They're enslaved. They're enslaved for a long time. They cry out, God sends Moses. Let my people go, 10 plagues. We talked about this a few weeks ago. So they come out of Egypt. When they cross over uh, the Red Sea, God gives them the law. So here's part of the law, okay? Numbers 18, 21 through 24. Look, I've given the Levites every tenth in Israel an inheritance in return for the work they do, the work of the tent of meeting. The Israelites must never again come near the tent of meeting or they'll incur guilt and die. The Levites will do the work of the tent of meeting and they will bear the consequences of their iniquity. Uh, The Levites will not receive an inheritance among the Israelites. This is a permanent statute throughout your generations for I have given them the tenth that the Israelites present to the Lord as a contribution for their inheritance. That is why I told them that they would not receive an inheritance. And, and what God is saying, hey, in my system, this is how it's going to work. These guys that look after the temple, that maintain the temple, so this is to take care of the temple, and it's to take care of these guys, of the people that work here, right? That's how, that's how it's going to work. Uh, we fast forward, and those guys get taken up into exile. <laughs> They're going to return under Nehemiah, and, and it is reinstituted with the reinstitution of the covenant. It looks like this. Uh, a priest from Aaron's descendants is to accompany the Levites when they collect the tenth, and the Levites are going to take a tenth of this offering to the storehouse and the treasury house of God. And again, I'm just saying, so, so he says, well, why do I give? Well, that's, that's kind of how churches run. Like, that's, that's the, the most basic answer, right? So I, how, how, how do you think the light bill is paid or, or the ministry budget's made or, or the pastor's on salary paid, right? Like, all of that stuff, it just comes through that tenth, right? Through, through that giving unto the Lord. And uh, now I, I, I want to look at what the New Testament has to say about this. And so some of you may go, well, that's just an Old Testament principle, right? Well, again, here's what the New Testament says. I'm in, I'm in 1 Corinthians chapter 9, and the Apostle Paul is writing about these things. 1 Corinthians 9, starting in verse 3, he says, my, my defense to those who examine me is this, don't we have the right to eat and drink? Don't we have the right to be accompanied by a believing wife like the other apostles, the Lord's brother and, and Cephas, that'd be Peter, Or do only Barnabas and I have no right to refrain from working? Who serves as a soldier at his own expense? Who plants a vineyard and doesn't eat its fruit? Or who shepherds a flock and doesn't drink the milk from the flock? Am I saying this from a human perspective? Doesn't the law also say the same thing? For it's written in the law of Moses, don't muzzle an ox while it's treading out grain. Is God really concerned about oxen? Isn't he really saying it for our sake? Yes, This is written for our own sake because he who plows ought to plow in hope and he who threshes should thresh in hope of sharing the crop. If we have sown spiritual things for you, is it too much if we reap material benefits from you? If others have this right to receive benefits from you, don't we even more? Nevertheless, we've not made use of this right. Instead, we endure everything so that we will not hinder the gospel of Christ. Verse 13, he says, Don't you know that those who perform the temple services eat the food from the temple, and those who serve at the altar share in the offerings of the altar. In the same way, the Lord has commanded that those who preach the gospel should earn their living by the gospel. And again, just just to say this main point, one of the reasons we give 
is to support the mission, the ministries, and the ministers of the church. So that's, that's a huge part of when we give of what that goes to. Now, I just I want to say this. It's really a sermon on, unto itself, okay? There's, there's a group of people, this is a whole different topic. They want to go, well, well, yeah, but that's just Old Covenant. That's just Old Testament. Like, that doesn't really apply, this whole 10 thing, because um, we use that language here interchangeably. And you may go, well, why, do, why, why does the pastor say, sometimes I'll say tithe, sometimes I'll say offering. Why do I even use um, th- that, that phrase? And, and there is a reason behind it. And here's why I say this, y'all, because there's a group of people that want to say, well, that doesn't apply to me. Jesus said it's finished, so therefore, it, it doesn't really matter what I give. I, you know, I can give 50 bucks here or 20 bucks here um, and, and think that, well, that's healthy. And, and I just, again, I, I sh- we're talking about the Bible and why the Bible says what it says. So I, I want to give you just four things on your checklist if you're wondering, like, hey, is this just an Old Testament principle? So number one, I'd say to you, the tithe was given before the law. Okay? Abraham and Jacob happened before the law was ever given. So people that would say, well, that's just an Old Testament principle. What they're trying to say is the law was fulfilled. Jesus said it's finished. My response is, yeah, but that was before the law. Right? So they, they gave, it was a heart response for, 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 for God's grace, and it was given before the law. So we would start there. Right? Second thing I would say is, is that Jesus had an opportunity to nullify the law and chose not to in Matthew twenty three twenty three. So it's this woe to the scribes and the Pharisees, Matthew 23, 23. And he says, woe to you who tithe a tenth of your mint and your dill and your cumin. He's like, you guys are so, there's a word for that. Like, he's like, you guys are so letter of the law that you're even, you're even tithing from your little spice garden. Yet, he says to them, you, you show no justice or mercy. And here's what Jesus says to them. He says, these things should have been done. He's talking about the tithe. Yet you should have done all that. But he says, without neglecting the other, without neglecting justice and mercy. So Jesus had an opportunity to say, stop that. He actually doesn't say that, right? So, so he just walks through it. Third, I would say to people that are like, well, it doesn't really apply, is that Jesus never came to eliminate or to, to take away from the law. He, he came to fulfill it for our sake, but he shows up and says, hey, I didn't come to take away a letter of the law. A lot of people think that Jesus lowers the bar. Y'all never, never. In fact, the Jews are the ones that lowered the ball. They added a bunch of commandments that added weight to people because you had to memorize all the stuff. But all those commandments did was lower the bar. So like murder became something, well, well, okay, you could do it in the right circumstances. And Jesus is like, dude, y'all are nuts. Like he, he says in the Sermon on the Mount, Matthew 5, I mean, you've heard it said that you shouldn't commit murder, but I'm going to tell you, if you hate your brother in your heart, you've already done it. He said, you've heard it said that you shouldn't commit adultery, but I tell you, if you look at a woman in lust, you've already done it. So Jesus never lowers the bar. He raises it, right? And, and if we we're going to talk about giving and have a real conversation about it in the church and how it applies as a New Testament principle, I would say, man, that might be a guide. And, and if you're enjoying this place, um, large, large part of that is, yo, we have a huge group of people in this church that give way above and beyond a tithe. They do it, um, they, they've done it for years, they've done it in faith in this place um, to make this place a reality. And so I just want you to know that that's the case. And lastly, uh, I would say that uh, the principle is still the same. This principle, why? why, do, why what do you, what, what's the purpose of it? Ministries, mission, ministers of the church, all that stuff matters, okay? So uh, that, that's a sermon in itself, but that's the second reason we give to support the mission, ministries, ministers of the church. Third reason... Uh, and y'all probably never heard this in church unless you've, you've sat uh, here for a bit, that we actually give so that we can receive from the Lord. So I want you to write it down. When you get it written down, look up at me. We're going to do a little exercise. We give so that we can receive from the Lord. Okay, everybody up here? We, we've written down. I only gave you one blank on this one. Okay, all right. Set down what you have. I want your hands up in there. Everybody do this. All right, come on. Let's him. Everybody. 
Oh, there we go, Justin. All right. If I were to throw you a ball, how many of you think you might be able to catch it like this? You got a shot at least, right? Cool. All right. Everybody do this. All right. Cool. If I were going to hand you something, I bet you could receive it. Okay? Hands are open. Now everybody do this. I didn't hear anything. There we go. It's good. It's good. All right. Guess what? If I were going to throw you something or hand you something, especially if it was heavy, it'd be really hard for you to really grab it. Right? It's hard to grab with these things. You need these opposable things right here to grab. So this is how we walk through life with our finances, which God has given us. And what I'm saying to you is, if you look at your hands, y'all, they're full. You've got everything you can handle. And if you walk through life and you're full, you can't receive. And you guys think, but well, this guy's making this stuff up. And I'm, I'm just not. So I'm, I'm going to walk you just biblically through this, okay? And, and so uh, I'm going to read one more. I'm going to read from Malachi now. And uh, it, y'all, when we walk through life like this, yeah, y'all can let go of that. Uh, we've got no room to receive the blessing of God. So here's what God says in his word in Malachi chapter 3. I'm going to start in verse 7 and read through 10. He says, since the days of your fathers, you've turned from my statutes and you have not kept them. Return to me and I'll return to you, says the Lord of armies. Yet you ask, how can we return? Well, will a man rob God? You are robbing me. How do we rob you, you ask? By not making the payments of the tenth and the contributions. You are suffering under a curse, yet you, the whole nation, are still robbing me. Bring the full tenth into the storehouse so that there may be food in my house. Test me in this way, says the Lord of armies. See if I will not open the floodgates of heaven and pour out a blessing for you without measure. So last verse on the screen there. Bring the full tenth in the storehouse. And he says, test me in this and see if I won't open the floodgates of heaven and pour out the blessing uh, for you without measure. And, and so I just want you to see this. It's going gonna, it's gonna to seem weird. I get it. But God says, if you'll do this, man, if you open yourself up, you're going to allow me to pour blessing into your lap. Right? And it's not the only place that it says it. Proverbs 3, uh, 9 and 10. Honor the Lord with your possessions. And with the first produce of your entire harvest, the first fruits, it's also part of that offering, right? So with the first part of your harvest, get this, then your barns will, so you do this, and then there's a promise attached to it. Then your barns will be completely filled, and your vats will overflow with new wine. Somebody says, like, that sounds like prosperity gospel, pastor. I'm going to tell you, I don't know that that's always financially related, but I, I do believe biblically it always is provisionally related. In, in other words, when we do this, God will give us more than we need. And I don't, I don't, sometimes it's not, it's not necessarily money in the bank. Sometimes it's, it's, it's just straight provision from somewhere else. But I, I'm just telling you, those things are attached. And again, some of you are looking at me, well, yeah, but those are all New Testament or Old Testament. Okay, cool. So let's look at what the New Testament says. This is Jesus, by the way. Um, we follow him. Like, that's what we do, right? Christians, little Christ, follow what this guy says. So Jesus says, Luke 6, 38. Give and it'll be given to you. It's the words of our Lord and Savior, right? Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over, be poured into your lap. That sounds a lot like what we just read in Proverbs, okay? He says, for with the measure you use it, it'll be measured back to you. Uh, Paul, 2 Corinthians 9, 6 through 8. He says, the point is this. The person who sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, and the person who sows generously will also reap generously. Each person should do as he has decided in his heart, not reluctantly or out of compulsion. Ready? Here's our New Testament bar. Since God loves a cheerful giver, 
And God is able to make every grace overflow to you so that in every way, always, having everything you need, you may excel in every good work. I am aware that principle makes us uncomfortable. It is easier for me to leave it out. But it is there. And we cannot avoid what makes us uncomfortable when we study God's word. We have to, we have to put it out there. Listen, I... I we, we can't explain away this or ignore it. God promises blessing to those that give generously. He just does, okay? You say, Pastor, how does that work? I don't know. I'm not him. I just know that it's there, right? Does that make sense? Okay, got one more I want to share with you. Last reason we give, I'll be quick. Uh, we give to help those in need. We give to help those in need. Just a second ago, I read from 2 Corinthians uh, chapter 9, verse 6 and uh, 6 through 8. So, so just the next two verses in that, 2 Corinthians 9, uh, 9 and 10, say this. As it's written, he distributes freely. He gave to the poor. His righteousness endures forever. Um, so the context there is, is so Paul, in 2 Corinthians um, 8 and 9 Paul is writing to the church there in Corinth, and he's going, hey, I'm sending somebody to take up an offering among you. And here's what the offering is for. It's for people in financial need in Jerusalem, believers. So people in the church. It's like they're, they're, there's people in great need in the church, and they don't have food to eat. They, don't have, they, like, they can't get by. And so he's like, Corinth, I'm, I'm writing to you. You guys are doing well. And so, so I'm, we're going we're gonna to take up an offering. I'm sending people to take up a special offering for those in need. Does that make sense? And, and so uh, in Old Testament, the way this worked is there was an additional tithe every third year that would be brought in and used for people in need. So somebody says, well, how does that work in our church, Pastor? Uh, well, we give to those in need in a couple of ways, okay? Uh, number one, um, a percentage of what comes through the doors, uh, through tithes, uh, automatically a percentage um, uh, goes to uh, the Elgin Community Cupboard and it goes to the Elgin Ministerial Alliance. One helps with food, one helps pay bills. That happens every single month. Uh, what comes in goes out. So the more you give, the more that goes out. That's kind of how that works. Um, so that's how we deal with people outside of our building. Now, for people inside of our building, how we walk this out is, is we, we let you know of the need. Just like Paul did. Paul would go, hey, there's a great need in Jerusalem. If you feel led to get, we want you to pray about it. So I'll give you one example. We have a family in our church uh, that was in a really bad accident in, in Maynard not long ago. Like a bad one. Um, so, so kids got hurt. Dad got so hurt he couldn't work for 10 weeks. Um, you can imagine that. He's primary uh, income there in that family. Um, the person that hit them was not insured. And their insurance had even lapsed. Nobody's paying anything. So uh, they are finally able, like, and you guys stepped up. We had meals provided. You know, like, y'all had done some amazing things. When they finally come back to church, they come back to church so humbly. They ask to speak with a pastor after one of the services, and they have a note in their hand that says they're getting evicted unless they can come up with $1,800, and he still can't return to work yet. And that's all they asked for, $1,800. So we just sent out an email the next morning. You know, Pastor John said, what do we do? I said, this is what we do. We just ask the church. So we sent an email, and y'all, in one day, and one day, the Lord provided through you $8,500 in a day. And here's the deal. God knew. God knew what we didn't. You see, in humility, they only asked for what would keep them from being evicted. The truth was they were actually three months behind. They didn't have any money to help get their car fixed. 
to get their insurance back up. Like they, they were so, like, and, and all of that, all of that got used for that sake. Isn't that awesome? Like we didn't even know. They were afraid to ask, but God knew you prayed and God provided. It's amazing. It's amazing. Two weeks later, Lord used you guys to provide $11,500 for youth and kids to go to camp so they could hear about Jesus. Like, whew. And it reduces the financial burden on every parent that has a student going to camp because it camps like $50 billion per kid now, you know? So it's a big deal. So what do we do because of this message? I'm going to give you uh, just some application. I'm going to let you go. Number one, I, I want you, I'm just going to ask you to pray. Okay, so if, if, this, if this category doesn't, isn't you yet, I'm just going to ask you to pray, right? You don't even have to give. Just start, start here. Would you pray about becoming a faithful giver? Just pray about it. Say, Lord, I, mean, I, I kind of heard why I should give, and pray about those reasons. Y'all, one of the ones, if, if, like if, if I weren't there, and, and man, praise God for my wife. My wife got me on track early on. I was like, we are going to tithe. I was like, yes, ma'am, we are. Um, and uh, she's very good about that. And so, um, but man, one of those reasons is like that test me in this. Like, I want the blessing of God in my life. And, and the Lord just shows up and provides for us time and time and time again. So pray about it. Number two, um, start somewhere. So, so you guys heard that word, tithe, tenth. That sounds like a lot. You guys like doing math in your head like, oh. Um, I just tell you, start somewhere, but do it with intentionality. Okay? Most people that have never given... Um, say, man, I really want to do that. I don't, I don't even know how I can do that. Most people that walk through our doors, y'all, are swimming uh, in, in credit card debt. And like, you, you know, like, there's so much hard stuff in our world. And so like, we get it. So I'm just going like, to pray and make it from your heart. Cheerful. Start somewhere, okay? So that, that's the second thing I would tell you. Like, you. You know where we're hoping to get, but start somewhere. Third thing I would say is this, guys. Let us help you. Let us help you, okay? So here's, here's the really cool thing. Um, y'all is is that we literally we, we've got people in our church that have been uh, prayerfully putting together um, I what I think is the most biblically rich financial counseling course like ever put out okay you're like what yes in our church wrote their own curriculum these guys uh, are, are heavy into finance they've studied all this stuff but man but they also love the Lord and so the husband has an MDiv um, from seminaries like I don't even know how to do that he gets into the financial world uh, I, I was preaching one day and I, I literally said like hey the Bible says that some of you should be teaching and we're having to teach you the basics he came up after he's like I should be teaching I was like well we need somebody to teach finances he's like oh my gosh look at our TikTok this is what we do like all right let's go and so we've been working on this for the last three months and so here's what it's called um, I'm gonna put it on the, the the screen it's called redeemed finance uh, from debt to life and if you're here and finances are hard man I, I just I, I just want you to take it um, it's going to be offered uh, live during our 9.45 hour uh, during this service, and then you can go during the second one. If you're like, man, I really need to be in it, but I'm serving, we are going to videotape everything, and, uh, and so we'll have some video curriculum if you're already in a small group and, and things like that. We'll have that available to you guys, but we're super, super excited. So you can scan that, sign up now. Um, it is going to be offered in April, okay, post-Easter, right? Uh, Easter is at the end of March, so it's going to be offered in April. It's either going to be the first Sunday or the second Sunday. It depends on, on some other uh, counseling thing or like scheduling things we got going on. So, uh, so I, I would love for you to scan that. Having said that, uh, we want to do this. Uh, the Bible says that we shouldn't just be hearers of the word, but that we should do what it says. And so this morning, we're going to provide you with an opportunity to do just that. Um, now listen, if you're visiting with us, I have no expectation that you would give. 
especially like if it is your first Sunday here, feel, dude, there is no pressure to give in this place. Uh, we say that over and over again. In fact, we'd rather give you something and the chair in front of you is a card that says welcome. If you'll just fill it out, let us know who you are. I'll, I'll give you a gift this morning. At the end of the service, take that card uh, to our welcome center. It's that big black desk when you walked in and, uh, and we've got a gift for you just to say thank you for choosing to worship with us. Um, now, if this is your house of worship, and you needed to hear this message, then I'm going to ask you to act upon it, okay?